you're listening to the Visionary Life Podcast. I'm your host, Kelsey Rydell. Each week, I'll bring you conversations with some of the most passionate, hardworking, and limitless thinkers on this earth who have a story to share, a brand that inspires, or a fire inside of them to live life on their own terms. The intention behind each episode is simple, and that's to include you in these conversations so that you can learn, apply, and grow in your own life and in your business. If I can share one quick secret with you before we begin, it's that we all have a little bit of visionary inside of us, but perhaps somewhere along the line, someone told you to play small, to play safe, and that led you to live an ordinary life. Tuning into Visionary Life will help you dust off the limiting beliefs you carry around so that you can begin to create your own most visionary life. It's in you. It's in all of us. Let's dive in. Welcome back to the podcast. It's a beautiful sunny day here in Toronto, Canada, where I live, and there appears to be some return to normalcy around our neighborhood amongst the COVID-19 pandemic. Today, the sound of children playing, lawns being mowed, and birds chirping is bringing me a true sense of joy. How about you? What's bringing you joy right now? Though I know this has been a challenging, uncertain, and confusing roller coaster ride for so many, I am hopeful that you're keeping your spirits high and sights set on the new month ahead. We cannot predict how the rest of the year will go, but we do have certainty that 2021 will come, and with that in mind, I think it's important to keep challenging ourselves to move forward. Keep acting on your goals and dreams, keep finding meaning in the unpredictable. Keep searching for ways to live your most visionary life. Wherever you're at, I'm sending you lots of love. Please reach out, say hi, or tag me on Instagram if you're tuning into this podcast. On to today's visionary guest. Lauren Sheriffs is the founder and CEO of Two Social a women-led North American digital agency that delivers full-service, community-minded marketing solutions to a growing roster of startup and established brands. With an academic background in fashion marketing and creative writing, Lauren took her official dive into the world of social media in 2013 when she founded Two Social from the kitchen table of her King West Toronto loft. Fast forward to today, Lauren and her team of brand nurturers, digital storytellers, and passionate problem solvers have worked with over 200 brands and have offices in Toronto, Ontario, and Los Angeles, California. The company supports all elements of online and offline marketing projects from design, social media, and analytics to PR and event marketing. As a former personal trainer, Lauren loves all things wellness and is fueled by an insatiable drive for success and coffee. So much coffee. (laughs) I can definitely relate to that. In this episode, we discussed why she decided to go back to school in her mid-20s and why you shouldn't be afraid to do the same. How she started to social her digital agency from her kitchen table in Toronto. It doesn't always begin in the most glamorous way. The next part is a must listen. Lauren shares how she landed 33 clients in her first year of business. Guys, that is insane. She shares what's working on social media right now and some tips on how to keep up with the ever-changing industry. 
and a lot more. So you can find Two Social on Instagram at the number two underscore social or at twosocialagency.com. Thank you to Healthy Planet for supporting today's show. I mentioned at the intro that Lauren loves all things wellness and coffee, and there's only one place I know to get an abundance of both of those things, Healthy Planet. They're your one-stop shop for protein powders, supplements for immunity, kombucha, organic superfoods, and so much more. I do most of my shopping at Healthy Planet in Toronto's stockyards, but I also love the online experience. Head to healthyplanetcanada.com and use code VISIONARY10 at checkout on any online order over $49.99. That's VISIONARY10. You can shop for all your favorite goodies and they'll be shipped to your door. I'm working on some really fun upgrades to my business, Visionary Life. In a nutshell, I'm trying to elevate the experience at every customer touchpoint, from the moment a client signs on to the time they finish their coaching packages with me. I want to be there and be remarkable through all of it. One of the ways I'm doing that, no issue. They are your one-stop shop for memorable and noticeable packaging, like stickers, custom mailer envelopes, branded rolls of tape, and tissue paper. This stuff is phenomenal. Just like how Starbucks personalizes your double-shot coconut milk latte, no issue personalizes your gift wrapping. If you're a business owner, it's no longer okay to blend in with the crowd. It's time to stand out, and no issue will help you do that. Get started by uploading your own designs, or you can work with their team to create custom designs. You're going to love the process and love the outcome even more. The best part is that you can use the code VISIONARY at checkout to receive a discount on your first purchase. So that's visionary at checkout, and you can find No Issue at noissue.ca. That's N-O-I-S-S-U-E dot C-A. On to today's episode with Lauren. Lauren Sheriffs, welcome to the Visionary Life Podcast. I'm very excited to have you here today and really just to learn about this whole journey of starting this amazing company, Two Social, from your kitchen table in King West many years ago. I just love the the visuals that that brings up. So thank you so much for being thank on the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm a big fan. So it's nice to be here. So good. So why don't we let the listeners get to know you a little bit better? Sure. We'll start with some quick fire questions. Right. Where did you grow up? The wonderful city of Mississauga. Okay. So you didn't move too far. That's good. Pretty close. <laughs> What's one thing that you do every single day that you would deem non-negotiable? I wish it would just, I'm going to say workout, but it's not. It's, I have a five minute journal and that's oh. what I do every single morning, every single evening. You're making me feel guilty because I have one and I don't use it, but it feels so good when you do use it. It it's, takes no time at all. Totally. And it's a wonderful way to frame up your day. Yeah. You really feel structured and positive. So. Mm -hmm. Being that you work in social media and digital marketing, what is your favorite platform to spend time on right now? Well, 
typically I'd say Instagram, but right now I'm trying, one of my resolutions is to cook more. So I'm definitely on Pinterest a lot more than any other channel. Oh, okay. And it makes sense because Pinterest is so visual with recipes and with food ideas. Totally. And it's kind of a hidden gem. I didn't use Pinterest for a long time, but I'm realizing more and more that you can, no matter what industry you're in, post content in a visually appealing way that will gain traction on Pinterest. Absolutely. It's still a really active channel. And it's also a really nice channel for that inspiration and across different industries mm-hmm. or passions you might have. So absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Uh, what would you say is the best part about owning a business? Being in the driver's seat of making my dreams come true. That's what I would say. There's so many different things I love about um, owning your own business or being an entrepreneur. But that's really, if I had to find a general one thing, that would be the go-to. Mm-hmm. And so before we kind of zoom the lens back and hear about your early journey, mm-hmm. were you ever not in the driver's seat? As in, did you ever spend time working for another company? Or have you always kind of been a business owner? Uh, I've always kind of been a business owner. I had a few jobs, obviously, in my teenage years where you're working for someone as you're going through school, those part-time jobs. But getting into adulthood, it was always kind of my own thing. Hmm, Very cool. So I hear that you started in the health and wellness Mm. space as a personal trainer. So why don't you take us back to that time in your life? Like, what were you up to? What drove you to get into that space? Sure. Let me dust off those memories. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Well, I I originally went to school for fitness and health. I was really passionate about the industry um, and where it was going, really. And also, I have a strong passion for just helping people, which also lent well into Two Social. But In that regard, it was really, I was excited about, you know, partnering up with different individuals and reaching their personal goals. So that was where it led me into being a trainer. I worked at a gym, but I also had my own business and and personal training people at their homes or or office locations. And was your goal to build that business into kind of your full-time career and to carry that through for the rest of time? Or did you feel a little unsettled, I guess? Well, I think... I think my goal originally was to do that, you know, to grow this great big fitness wellness empire. But, you know, it's also my early 20s. And I think it's, you know, I'll often tell younger people this as well. You're going to change. Your passions are going to change and your direction in life could change. And I think that's really just what happened. I took a um, extracurricular passion of mine and tried to make it into a career. But really, I was just passionate about it. So um, I, I... I think looking back, I would have left it as that recreational thing in my own personal time versus try to make it a career. Mm -hmm. But it lent well into doing what I do now because it was really about cultivating relationships, sort of selling what you're great at, marketing yourself, and helping people achieve greatness. Mm. So as you were starting to recognize that maybe you should just leave health and fitness more as a passion and not a career Mm -hmm. path... Were you like building this business of two social in your head? Did you go out and get some sort of other gig? Like, how did you then eventually realize I need to start looking for something else? I just felt like something creatively was missing. And so at that point, I just took a leap of faith. And I had been working a lot throughout my life, you know, usually having two or three jobs and I was a really good saver. So I had a bit of a cushion to take a leap and go back to school. And I did do that at 25, which I think is a bit of a leap because you're a little bit older. I'm not, my parents weren't exceptionally excited about that, you know, Mm -hmm. you're starting again. But I did that and I was really excited about it. I studied fashion marketing 
And then it was a very fast, um, all in kind of 13 month intensive certification program, loved it and felt very depleted and burnt out once it, once it wrapped up. So following that, I went to London, England, where I had some family and I stayed for about six to eight months and I studied creative writing. So both of those really kind of informed and inspired and led me to where I am today. So Mm. a little bit of a longer journey, but worthwhile. Interesting. Mm -hmm. That's so funny. I had no idea that you did fashion marketing and then went to do creative writing. But I think what's really vital to realize is that it seems like you were just kind of following those little cues of like, okay, what's next? I'm not happy now, but why don't I go explore something new? Totally. I I mean, I kept working along the way and I think that's key. I think it's important to listen to your instincts, especially innately that's being part of entrepreneurial mindset, right? It's like following that instinctual nudge in the right direction. Mm -hmm. It's a scary thing to do. It's maybe not for everybody. And it really does depend where you are in the stage of your life. But I did it. And it luckily brought me to the right direction. Mm -hmm. And I think it's so vital to like you said, you went back to school at 25, which at the time may have seemed like, oh my gosh, it's too late. But when you're 40, and you look back at that, you'll be like, I can't believe I almost didn't do that and stayed in my career path just because I thought it was too late. Like, I don't really think it's ever too late. It's never too late. It's never too late to pursue something that makes you happy. It's always worth it. I I listened recently to a masterclass and the best takeaway was a quote that said, the only failure really is not trying. So it's worth trying if you feel strongly about it. That's so true. So did you know what you were going to do with a fashioning, fashion marketing diploma and a creative writing certificate? Like what, what was the idea? Oh, I just wanted to be a writer. You, you know, wanted to be I a wanted writer. to, uh, you know, work at, like Notting Hill, work at a bookstore and write a really great book. And, you know, as I was doing that, I was reaching out to a lot of different publications to write small pieces or contribute in some capacity and just build my, my you know, um, overall relationships in that world, which I yeah. didn't have at the time. And that's when social media was kind of coming out. So I was living abroad. I was using Twitter to connect with people. I signed up for Facebook to keep in touch with friends and family. Mm -hmm. And I started just to see the power of using it as a platform to share my writing and to connect with new people or to reach out with other bloggers and other writers. And it just was really powerful to see how you can grow your audience and grow your connections that way. And from there, I just saw maybe there's an opportunity when I go home to use this as my, this is my experience. How can I help other entrepreneurs or other smaller businesses use the same channels to get their messages out? And that kind of led me to two social. Mm, Okay. So (laughs) you're on the plane flying home, you land back in Toronto. What happens from there? Well, I, again, it talks to everything that I've done in my life. I'm all about relationships. And so like almost like a natural networker, I like to connect with people, stay in touch with people, especially if there's like a strong connection. So I had kept in touch with a lot of former professors and mentors and other people that really inspired me. So Mm -hmm. on my way back to Toronto, ahead of even coming to Toronto um, and before leaving, you know, um, rainy London, I, I reached out to people to see, are there any opportunities? And there was, I had a former professor that had an agency and clothing kind of promotional apparel. And I worked with him on rebranding his agency and using social media to tell the message of his point of difference. So that worked as my very very first sort of um, lead into that kind of world, that kind of marketing world. And he was really amazing and super supportive and let me work four days for him and one day on my own. 
So the one day on my own, I was volunteering, I was getting on boards, I was pitching PR companies to use me as their social media piece of their business. And that turned into, after one year, I had 33 clients. No one else was really doing it just as a specific focus to social media. So people were calling me and saying, you know, that's all you do. Could you do this for us? Could you do this for me? Um, so that one day kind of turned into taking over my life. Sort that's of. Yeah. insane. And we'll definitely dive into how yeah. you got these 33 clients. And obviously it was just you pitching and reaching out, which I think is an amazing testament to your entrepreneurial mm-hmm. abilities. But let's go back just a little bit. Did you write a formal business plan for Two Social or did you just kind of start diving in and like doing the work of emailing potential clients and getting your name out there? No, that's a really great question. I mean, I, I even right before Two Social, when I was doing it myself, I was almost looking at it the same way I used to look at being a personal trainer. I had targets every month. I had clients. I had things I had to achieve in terms of growing my business. And I didn't even look at it as a business. I sort of looked at it as a freelance thing and and helping people with their businesses. But then as it started to pick up, I I saw that there was really an opportunity in the market to help those local businesses grow their social platforms Mm -hmm. and grow their um, online communities. So I said, okay, well, is there any agencies doing only social media at the time? I didn't see any. I didn't identify any. So I saw that there was an opportunity to start that. And I wanted to collaborate with other creative minds. So, you know, to answer your your question specifically, I didn't really have that business plan because I was so busy at that moment. And I mm. just wanted to continue going my business. I don't think it was until, I had targets, of course, but I don't think it was until two years into the business where I sat down with my new partner at that time and said, okay, let's actually look at where do we want to take this business? How do we want to diversify? How do we want to change and shift? Where do we want to grow? And that's where we were a little bit more granular mm-hmm. to those specifics. Mm-hmm. It's pretty crazy to hear you say that back in, I guess it was 2013, like you didn't identify any other people with social media specific agencies. No, there was people dabbling, but there wasn't yeah. really an agency specific. There were ad agencies, there were, you know, production houses, there were things, but there wasn't just an agency that that's all they did. Yeah. So I was like, cool, here's an opportunity. And being that that's me, I can reach out to all these ad agencies and all these PR companies and say, hey, use me for this instead of all the resources, time and money to put together your own teams, which worked to my advantage mm-hmm. at that time. Yeah, very, very smart of you to identify a gap in the market. And I think for anyone listening, like that is what an entrepreneur does. They identify something that is missing Mm -hmm. and then they create something to fulfill it, which is exactly what you did. And I think that's uh, something, first of all, you should be very, very proud (laughs) of. I don't know how often you celebrate that, but uh, it's pretty, pretty cool. So what were your first services when you launched and how did you know what to offer your clients? Oh, it was a learning curve. Um, And I think it continues to be a learning curve, especially in this world. You have to have a pretty nimble and agile business plan. But at the time, I just kind of continued doing what I was doing. So um, I did a lot of research and I tried to talk with people in the industry um, to see how they charged things. Even from an hourly standpoint, even for copywriters, because again, there wasn't anyone really pricing out what I did. Mm-hmm. So it was a bit of a learning curve and we've changed it, I'm sure, over over time. But at that moment, our services really were community management, creating content for people's channels and managing it for them. So we posted, created, we were doing live content for them. We did analytics reports and we still do a lot of those things. They're just obviously more robust and refined as time has changed. Mm. 
And so how you mentioned you kind of reached out to people and pitched Mm -hmm. them. Is that how you got from zero to 33 clients? Like, how did you get that many people in just one year? Definitely. I got super involved in local um, boards that I could pitch myself to be a part of, um, charities. I did a lot of charity work. I Mm. went to a lot of networking events. And I'm typically like a little bit shy. I know I'm talking a lot here, but I can be shy. So those were things I had to really get out of my element and do. But um, I just did it. It was sort of a soft sell, introduce myself, cultivate relationships, keep in touch with people. I was never shy to pitch myself on anything in the creative mm. world um, and get into those industry events to at least have my face there. Mm. And that's kind of how I got started. And and again, I mean, to my to the testament of those services at the moment, nobody was really doing them. So I was able to, you know, get really busy really quickly. My goal was to have as many clients on one street, another, as many clients on another street kind of dominate Toronto to some degree just mm-hmm. to generate referrals. Yeah. And that really helped as well. Mm. And I think that's such an important lesson for anyone listening to learn that you can't really just sit behind a computer and like expect that clients are going to find your website and just magically want to pay you for your services. You have to get out and network and meet people and really like connect, right? Humans connect with humans, not computers or websites or landing pages. Uh, So I think that's something that we can all take away from that is it is vital to spend some time, whether it's on a weekly or monthly basis, getting involved in your community, meeting people, right? You cannot overlook that. Yeah. And even just the people in your own backyard, ask the right questions. You know, it's your life. So it's not worth sitting around and waiting for it to happen. If you're excited about something and you're passionate about something and you truly believe you have something different or of value for people, Mm -hmm. then people will recognize that in what you talk about and say. So for someone listening who feels like they have a service that they want to pitch and they they know who they should be pitching to, but they haven't done it because they're scared, what would you suggest that first email looks like? Like, do you send them like a full overview and your pricing or do you just make a simple connection? What would be your pitching tips via email? Well, first, everybody's scared. Anyone who says differently, I mean, I, I want to meet them because <laughs> I want to pick their brain. Um, but I think everybody's scared and rejection, rejection sucks, but it's inevitable. So, mm-hmm. uh, you learn to build a thick skin, skin with that. So, um, I typically will, at that point, it was always reaching out to people in real life. I was going to those events. So mm-hmm. I'd get their business card, kind of connect with them and then send a follow-up email. Um, or I would do something of value uh, for them. Like I never like to say, let me pick your brain. Time is money. So I would offer to take them out for lunch or for a coffee or, you know, do you have, um, a cons- I'm happy to pay a consulting hour if we can yeah. sit and talk. Like all of those things people will recognize. Um, I always follow up. Most people will appreciate you doing that if you're, if you're doing it in a really tactful and polite, polite way. Um, obviously, you know, be mindful of their time. I keep things short. I don't like long, long emails. Nobody has time to read them. I'd also mm. don't want to feel, and I'm sure people feel the same way as this. Uh, you don't want to feel spammed on LinkedIn. Short to the point, you know, find out your personality and speak in the tone of voice that makes you different and unique because that will resonate with the right person. Um, so those are just some tips that I would suggest, but be real and authentic, be a real person and, and try to communicate some kind of value for the other person as well. So it looks a little bit like a give and take. Mm-hmm. I really like that you said, just speak in your normal tone, because I think 
sometimes, and I know for myself, this was the case when I started out in business, I felt like I had to be like uber professional and that I had to dress a certain way and that I had to talk a certain way. And that just didn't work for me. That was not attracting the clients I wanted to work with. And as soon as I just showed up as who I am and like show more of my personality and just speak the way I speak, right? it's like, then my dream clients were like, yeah, I feel her. Okay. Yeah. I want to get chatting with her and, and work with her. So to anyone feeling like they're they're trying to be someone they're not, I think we live in a day and age where it's now okay to just be who you are. And totally. if somebody doesn't like that about you, they're not your dream client anyways, no. right? And authenticity always wins. The same goes with social media content. You know, people are really craving realness. And I think if you can be yourself, obviously mindfully yourself, like you're not going to want to show up with a beer can swearing. You're yeah. going to, you know, within parameters, but... I think that you will be surprised when you're sitting down, even with those corporate clients or those Fortune 500 companies, like mm-hmm. they still will also respect and appreciate realness. Mm-hmm. So good. So I have to ask, how did you come up with the name to social? Because naming a business can be either the easiest thing for some people, or it's actually the thing holding them back from starting. So I'm just curious. I love the name. It's so easy. It's memorable. So what's your story on how it came to be? Naming for me first is super hard, especially when it's something so close to you, you know, like, I'm going to think about it differently than my consumer might think about it. So, um, Oftentimes for people that I've talked to, it takes them a long time and they sit on names for a while. That wasn't the case here. I was already too busy and I was too excited and I just wanted to hit the ground running. So at the time of starting to social, um, my former partner had brought up to social as a name and I liked it. It was catchy. Um, It was all about being too social. It, It also represented the relationship between us and the clients as a collaboration, as a team, as a partnership which is something of a value, it's a value point of us still to this day. It's still also, um, as we've evolved, we look at two social as that two being continued relationships. It's us and our team. So it represents so much of everything we do in social, Mm -hmm. even though now we've evolved into being more of a creative agency, social media just being one of the services we provide for our clients. It's still relevant because we're social, we're real, we're people, we work to collaborate with our clients. So very communicative. Love it. If someone asks you today, hey, what is too social? What is your pitch? What's your response to that? I try to keep it short because I could go on forever. But, um, you know, the Coles Notes is really we're a creative agency and we're an indie agency, you know, with beginnings and humble beginnings in Toronto have since expanded. We specialize in social media and digital marketing And we're a team that really cares about your business, and we consider ourselves brand nurturers. It's really a partnership, a point of differences, or collaborations with our clients. Mm, I love that. And could you just describe a little bit of what you offer today? Because I know the list is really long. I was absolutely amazed at all the different things that you you can offer to clients. So for the listener who's like, well, what falls under this umbrella of a creative agency? Just describe where your services are at today. Yeah. So I'll sort of walk you through it. I mean, we always start with clients and strategy. So strategy is really us working through many roundtable discussions on a variety of things from brand identity right down to the social platform. So strategy is a huge core piece of what we do for all of our clients. Then, of course, we offer social media management, advertising through social and in real life. 
We do a lot of influencer work. Now we've offered last year um, an extension of our services to add on events because we were doing a lot of activations and pop-ups. Um, so we do everything also including web design and development. We do a lot of copywriting for our clients, obviously both on social as well as beyond. Um, so really what it boils down to is our services should be the all-in of what our clients need to succeed online and in real life. We're the communicators for their brand and the voice of the brand online. Mm, you are like a one-stop shop. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes, exactly. But that's been an evolution. You know, when we started, as I mentioned, we were just social media and digital marketing, and we were really the best at that and have since evolved the talent at our team. And as the social media channels continue to evolve, we have to stay nimble and we have to stay agile, as I mentioned. So adding things like video production and motion graphics and animation, key as, as the platforms continue to change. Mm -hmm. So obviously before you started offering this long list of services, your, your roster was a little smaller. I'm wondering, when did you get to the point where you were like, this is beyond me, I need to make my first hire? Mm -hmm. Well, my first hire came in the first year. Okay. Because when we started to social in Q1, we had over 12 clients. Wow. Yes. It was, I, I truly believe it was a, kind of a testament to the time. Yeah. But uh, also a testament to hustle. So, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I mean, right place, right time, but totally. also right amount of grit on your part. It, absolutely. And, uh, you know, we probably could have hired more at that time, but I think we were still very involved in the day-to-day -day at that moment. So, yeah, in, in our first year, we hired... Um, kind of like an account management as well as helped with social media strategy at the mm -hmm. same time because we were wearing so many different hats as a small business. But as we evolved, I mean, to date, we've worked with over 200 businesses and brands. So mm -hmm. we have a team of 10 in Toronto, and then we have an extended team of 2S Collective. That's what we call our um, sort of go-to partners in larger scale items like video production. So that's something we've been able to foster and develop over seven years. Mm. Well, congratulations on growing Thank a team you. like that. Has that come naturally to you or has it felt like a stretch to move into like a management of people role and to have to hire the right people? No, that was a learning curve. Okay. For sure. <laughs> yeah. That's a learning curve. I have a fantastic a business partner. I have two fantastic business partners, but one specifically is very, very good at team management and curation mm -hmm. um, from her entrepreneurial background as well. So I really, I do lean on her a lot with that. Um, it's something that I've learned along the way and I've certainly um, developed. But, you know, I was, a, I'm a team player. I, I was an entrepreneur. I was, I was freelance. I was doing it on my own. And I really looked at, I wanted to build a team because I wanted to curate an environment of other creative professionals that we could inspire each other. Mm. So I hold on to that still. Um, but, you know, the business has shaped up to be a little bit different. So you have to hire the right people in different areas and, mm -hmm. and so forth. How did the partners in your business come to be? Have they always been there or did you bring on people when you felt like the business was growing just beyond your capability? Yeah, I brought on a partner in 2016 and, um, and last year we brought on a, a third partner and each of them bring in an amazing skill set that adds value to our team as we continue to grow. So, um, you know, when Sandra joined our team, she comes with a background of so much video production and events and entrepreneurship as well. And sh her focus was really on our U.S. market as we mm -hmm. expanded in 2016 with our satellite office in Santa Monica. And then last year with Ralph joining our team, just with his extended experience in global events, 
has been awesome as we continue to grow that part of our business. So as they've come in, it's usually been because of an extension or growth spurt at Two Social. Mm-hmm. So exciting. So you mentioned you have a satellite office. Yes. So you're now a bi-coastal hub, which is really cool. How did you decide to open a second branch of mm. Two Social? Well, we always knew we wanted to open a second office. Um, and that it being in LA was sort of organic because we were down there for other opportunities. And while down there, people just kept inquiring about Two Social and its services. We had already a roster of US clients. And while we were down there, we're able to secure quite a few others. And we just saw this as twofold. One, um, a really interesting market of startups and entrepreneurs and cool businesses um, with a different, a bit of a different mindset from some of the clients we already had in the Canadian market. So that was exciting. Mm-hmm. But it's also a really innovative space to play in. Um, you know, we're right beside, you know, Silicon Beach, where we're learning about all these disruptive new technologies that even if we don't utilize them, we come to the Canadian market and can educate our current client base with all those new exciting developments. So it's been really cool that way. So do you get to fly back and forth? Or are you primarily based here? What's your kind of week in the life, month in the life at this point? At this point, I'm flying back and forth every month. Wow. Yes. When we when we first did it, obviously, I was down there for a longer period of time. But now I kind of go back and forth for a variety of different reasons, either for a pitch or for, you know, visiting with a client or any sort of large photo shoots we might have going on and, and so forth from there. It's pretty exciting, though. I mean, yeah, I think that I, I know traveling can be a little less glamorous when it's for work and for your, you know, not on your schedule. But at the same time, to escape the Toronto cold climate is kind of a blessing. Exactly. <laughs> Certainly nothing to complain about yeah. here. Yeah. So when you look at a week in the life of Lauren right now or a month in the life, what would you say are some of your favorite things that you get to do right now? Professionally? Professionally, yeah. Um, I love, like, for example, this morning, uh, we had a really great presentation with a client, and I loved listening to the team ideate with our, with, mm. in collaboration with our client. I love the positivity that came out of that meeting. I love the creative ideas. So right now, I just love kind of sitting back and listening to the amazing ideas and the great uh, creative output coming out of Two Social with our growing team and their, uh, you know, amazing expertise. So I love that. I love being able to sit and pitch and meet new businesses and exciting entrepreneurs and listening to their really cool ideas and listening to their really cool journeys. It's inspiring for me and it makes me think in a, in a different sort of creative perspective. And when approaching their business, you know, with our services, but in general. Mm, yeah, it, it's nice to see your excitement about it too. And mm-hmm. like, I think that it would be easy to get lost in all the, the things that you have to do on your schedule. And you've been doing this for so many years, but to see you light up when you still get to do the the day-to-day, the strategies with your clients, it's pretty cool. And it obviously shows you have big vision for your company. Yeah. And it, it's really nice to be able to say that the reason I started this business is still what keeps me excited today. Right. You know, I started it because I wanted to help local businesses reach larger communities. And we continue to do that both for national brands, but also we still work with a variety of different startups. So I find that super exciting. Mm-hmm. So now I know that you have a ton of social media wisdom and a lot of the listeners, whether they're an aspiring entrepreneur or they might be a new entrepreneur, 
social feels overwhelming to them, right? Mm-hmm. That a lot of us, it, it doesn't come second nature and, and we're just not really sure how to put a strategy around it. So do you mind if we dive into some questions that are social media specific? Yes, my favorite combo. I couldn't let you leave without <laughs> it. So number one, how does somebody choose the right social platforms for one. their business? Mm-hmm. Well, there's a couple of different ways you can look at this question. First, I always say, well, where do your, where's the ideal customer live? What are they using? How old are they? And then start to look at, okay, based on their age and perhaps maybe what they're interested in, you can start to see what channel that they live on the most. Then I would sort of build your strategy around that. But you also have to be really interested in your in the social channel you're embarking on, it, especially if you're not using an agency, perhaps like ours. Maybe you know you're a startup and you're trying to be lean and do it yourself, which is also a really great way to learn. Um, if that's the case, you want to learn be on a channel that you're interested in learning more about, interested in being a part of. Otherwise, it's just going to be like sort of a second step or sort of like homework when you're already busy as an entrepreneur. So choose something you like, but know that your customers are there would be the best mm-hmm. two takeaways. I I feel like when I read social media posts that feel forced, like I can really tell, you know, yeah. like if one of my clients is like, I hate Facebook, but they think they have to do it. And then they write content for Facebook. I'm like, you'd be better off just to not do it. You know, like if you feel that resentment towards being on the platform, just focus your efforts elsewhere, right? Double down on Instagram then and get off Facebook because it it shines through. Absolutely. And it's, I mean, it's negative energy and you want to put positive energy into the business you're trying to create. So if you really, like I have some people that say, well, I don't want to pick a channel because I actually don't like social media in general. Okay, I get it. It's a very useful you know, useful vehicle for all businesses and, and personal brands. But if you really, really don't like it and it really stumps you, there's opportunities to work with agencies like ours, or there's really great talent out there that you could take on either part-time or freelance, but put it in the right hands. Um, put it in the hands of someone who's going to do it for you. It, it's a shame to see these really wicked businesses with great initiatives for their, their customers not really shining a light on uh, through social media and communicating what's important to them properly. You know what I mean? Mm, Absolutely. So obviously having a strategy is important when it comes to social media for business owners. And I think some people still operate under the, I just post whenever I want to, and I just post whatever comes to mind. So in your eyes, why is it important to have a social media strategy? Right. Well, I mean, if you're posting for yourself, Post as you so desire. Absolutely. But if it's your business, I mean, just like a business plan, you wouldn't want to just go about with no goals and targets. That would be silly. It's then a hobby. So if you're going to approach social media and take the time and effort and oftentimes resources to build up those social channels, put a roadmap to success together for yourself. What do targets look like? What are your competitors doing? I can see how it sounds overwhelming, just like a business plan sounds overwhelming. But it doesn't have to be. You don't have to write a 10-page document. You just really have to do the research as you would with a new business to understand who your competitors, what are they doing, what's cool out there, what what content seems to resonate with the same audience you might have or the same customer base, what excites you, what content do you like to post, Mm -hmm. what are the key values of your business that you're able to write content against, you know? Mm. So I think just identifying that even as a one pager, 
and then start testing out content on your pages. See, how many likes did you get this month? How many people did you reach? Did you get any comments? If not, why? Why do you think the content's not resonating? And just researching the, the landscape as well as your platforms mm-hmm. as, as much as you can. Mm. Yeah, one of the things that I started doing that I found was really helpful in refining my own strategy was identifying a few key influencers or big brands or businesses and then on Facebook clicking to see their posts first. Like you can uh, say see first under the notifications. Mm -hmm. So I was always seeing the people I admired, what they were posting. And usually if they had a team working for them, they would be a little bit ahead of the trends. So it's a great way to just kind of keep a watchful eye on what's going on and say, oh, you know, gifts are doing really well right now or asking questions on Facebook is doing well and trying not to reinvent the wheel, right? Like identify the people who you see doing it really, really well and pull tips from that, right? For sure. And that is doing a competitor analysis basically. So I think that's a really good point. And there's so many great free resources online that you could Google that could point you in the right direction of building a super simple strategy that helps you framework that roadmap that I was speaking to that I think will be really helpful. But again, like there's no need to worry about the quantity of followers. It's really about that quality. So I understanding where the consumer lives is a really great place to start. So, and you, you figure that out by knowing their demo. Mm-hmm. So when you are building out a strategy, are you identifying every single day of the month and what needs to be posted or are there simply weekly objectives? How do you keep track of what needs to go out and when? Mm -hmm. Well, with strategies, we're usually identifying all the communicative points in in sort of pillar formats. So what's important from the company, what's important from any key stakeholders in building out different communicative points. So what are some of the creative ideas against all of those things? Mm. When we look at a marketing calendar, that's where we might shape up seasonally or monthly any key, again, dates or communicative points that we need to weave in. And when we build the content for our clients, we usually build them a month to three months ahead of time because oftentimes our clients are using us as a full content production house as well. So Mm -hmm. we're designing the content, we're writing the content, we're posting the content and so forth. So we build it ahead of time and then collaborate with the clients on approvals. Mm. I like what you pointed out there, and I've kind of never heard it uh, communicated like you did, but you said you, you really see what the key values or important points of that company or brand are, and then you reflect on creative ideas. Yes. Is that right? That's right. Yes, because it's important to find those unique points of difference. You have to dig a little deeper in the values because on social media, you can't hard sell every two seconds. It's not interesting. You have to provide value or tell a story or connect in some kind of human way. Because at the end of the day, I, I spoke about this with a client earlier today. At the end of the day, social media is social. So you still have to be social. You still have to have that human element. So finding other creative ways to communicate with your audience is usually, those are usually the posts that do the best. Mm-hmm. And it's great that you said social media isn't a hard sell. I think that's mm-hmm. a great reminder. What is the balance between educating and providing value, but also making a sales pitch or a call to action once in a while? Mm-hmm. I think if you can provide educational content and content of value, you are providing something of sales. Do you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? You are directing a sale. That to me 
should be the majority of your content. Obviously, this is generally speaking. Every yeah. person's and every business is different, but that would be my general advice is go in that direction. And then for any sort of hard sale items, you know, Instagram, Facebook, every social channel now has such great opportunities through advertising. Mm-hmm. That's where you want to put more of your hard sales. Yeah. You know, you could talk about your business, but if you're going to do that, talk about it in a really interesting human way, mm-hmm. not like we're having a sale today. You can mention that, but what else is in there that's connecting? Yeah. Yeah. I think that oftentimes it's easy to feel like, okay, well, I have to show up and sell, sell, sell. But at the end of the day, people don't come to social media platforms to be sold to, right? Mm -hmm. They're there to numb out, to be entertained, to be given value. They're not there to be pitched to 95% of the time. So just really checking in on your content for any of the listeners to make sure that it's not all one big pitch Mm because nobody finds value in that, right? Totally. Um, so in terms of advertising, I know one of the services that you guys offer is support with paid advertising, right? So in your opinion, like how much should we be spending? I know this is, it's a tough question to answer, but like who should be advertising? What should we be promoting? Because for someone who's never done any sort of Facebook ad campaigns or who's never been inside the business manager, they might feel like, well, what the heck? What do I even use it for? So give us just a rundown of like what it's good for and who should be using it. Well, it's fantastic. I think, you know, when it first all sort of transitioned from being zero organic to some form of paid, there were a lot of people upset about it. And I can see how that might be because it became more of a pay-to-play platforms, uh, generally speaking, Facebook and Instagram at that time. But I really see that as an opportunity because instead of building all of this content, all the time and resources and, again, budget that goes behind creating beautiful content that nobody might see, instead, do less with more, you Mm -hmm. know? And there's so many different ways you can advertise with lower budgets, of course, and reach the right people instead of just generally putting out content and waiting for people all over the world to like you. Maybe you're a mom and pop shop Um, down the street that you want to reach out to people in the local area. Well, now you have the opportunity to get that message right in front of those people. Mm -hmm. And it's amazing. And it can be completely affordable. So the amount, I mean, it really kind of depends on what you feel comfortable with. What we do to social is give good, better, best recommendations to our clients. Um, But the best way to start with them is saying, I mean, the sky's the limit on what we can do Mm -hmm. for you and what you can do yourself. But what do you feel comfortable with? Here are some different ranges. And this you know, we're able to tell them how you might see success with these different price points. But at mm-hmm. the end of the day, it's got to be an amount that you feel comfortable with. You can do advertising with any amount. You just might not get to see the the, the results you hope for. Mm. And would you guide someone who's new to the world of ads per se to go dig in and start by just tinkering around and and plopping some money into a boosted post or an ad? Or do you think it's a better spend of money to go with an agency or work with a freelancer who is, you know, professional and skilled at paid advertising through social? That's what I would do. Absolutely. I would look for, um, and maybe oftentimes with agencies, it might be a little bit of a higher cost, but you may be able to find a fantastic freelancer that can support you there. Because otherwise, I feel like, especially as a local business or a freelancer, you know, you don't have the largest marketing budget for those types of initiatives. So I I wouldn't want anybody to just throw money at a wall, you know. 
or spend a lot of time researching, take a course. There's lots of great free courses. There's lots of great university and college courses now Mm -hmm. that you can take and learn the basics and then test around a few things. We call it A-B testing, but just do a couple of tests with a smaller budget to see what's working in the right audiences. Mm -hmm. That's a really good tip. And I know for me, like I have spent so many hours on Facebook ads, Mm -hmm. but at the end of the day, just hiring someone who has gone through the Facebook certification or the ad expert, it's just, you know, time is money and I can't be good at everything. And I think that's a great lesson to learn is if it's not your wheelhouse, outsource it and stop worrying about the money that it's going to cost because it's going to bring a return on investment. Oh, absolutely. It's like if somebody asked me, would I do my personally before Too Social, would I do my own Google AdWords? Would I build my own website? Well, no, absolutely not. I'd hire a professional mm-hmm. for that. Mm-hmm. And the same with like a house, you're going to hire a proper contractor to do your stuff. So I think, mm-hmm. you know, if you're able to do that, that might be the best friend and you can't be great at everything. You have to find, you know, your strength. And the same goes for entrepreneurs, mm-hmm. building a business and finding the right team members. You find team members that can support you in areas you're not the strongest in. Mm-hmm. In terms of the social media landscape right now, just generally, what do you feel like is working really, really well for brands and businesses? Fun, short video pieces mm-hmm. like TikTok. You like TikTok. like TikTok. I knew that would come up in our conversation. <laughs> yes, it's almost in every conversation these days. But I mean, um, obviously, it's not appropriate for every business. But generally speaking, for content, something with movement something video, something real. Mm -hmm. People are moving away from a million filters. They want that authenticity. Mm, I love that. And so have you yourself explored TikTok or Uh, have you kind (laughs) of, I guess you have to, right? Yeah. Well, I have to know what's going on. Um, And I'm definitely, I think my name on TikTok at one point was not the demo because I'm not the demo, Um, but I have to learn it. So I've played around with I haven't posted anything. I just sort of save it and send it to friends. But mm-hmm. It is fun. It is fun. It, I'm interested in seeing just, just how it takes shape this year and beyond. We have a lot of inquiries. We're, we're launching it with a bunch of clients we work with wow. this year. So I'm excited to see where it goes. Very cool. Yeah, we'll have to check in with you in six months to a year to yeah. get your take on it. Um, and in terms of how you stay on top of social trends, obviously the world of social media evolves so fast and, um, you probably need to, you know, keep on top of what's going on. Mm -hmm. How do you stay on top of the trends and what's going on? Is it blogs? Is it by talking to people? Is it by showing up at conferences? What All of those things. All of those. Yeah, we have, um, Great team members at Two Social. Every single month, we do what's called a bites and brainstorm. So each team member will take on a new trend or a new offering in our world, or just something they're really great at or interested in, and do a workshop on it. We also have a lot of ind- industry professionals come into our office and give us um, sort of tutorials or workshops through new items. We're usually at any industry events like South by Southwest and beyond. We have our office, as I mentioned, in L.A., so that's really great to keep us in the forefront of digital innovations. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, all of the things, often reading, I usually take a course at least once a month in something new, whether it's accounting or Facebook ads, for lack of a better example. But And so does the rest of the team. Each team member is given um, a budget for each quarter to go out and take courses and be involved in events. And it's the only way because, you know, as I mentioned, it just changes so quickly. Mm. 
Yeah. I love that you shared that bites and brainstorm. I think no matter how. Come to one. You should come to one. Oh, are they open to everybody? Yeah, they're open to clients and friends. Oh, and if you have something you want to speak on, let us know. Okay. Yeah, I will definitely check one out. First of all, because I love yeah, getting out to events like that where you can learn but also connect. And mm-hmm. it's just like a fun spin on a networking event. Uh, but second of all, I think it, it's vital to stay on top of trends. Mm-hmm. But one of the best ways to do that is just by talking to people rather than yeah. scouring like every blog or resource. Like just go get out and talk to people who are on TikTok, mm-hmm. get their opinion, mm-hmm. right? Uh, so I think that's super, super cool. So in terms of what excites you about the future of Two Social, what comes to mind? I'm excited about all the work we're putting out um, as we've diversified into new services and new offerings and additional team members. It's really exciting work, especially coming out this year. We're proud of all of our work, but new things that we're doing in different mediums that I'm looking forward to mm-hmm. um, and just sort of seeing what's next. We're Being that we're an indie agency, independently owned and open to new ideas and collaborations, we never know what's next. There could be some Mm -hmm. new division to Two Social launching this year that will announce on our platform. Mm, Yeah, and I think that's one quality of a business owner is that you have to be okay with the pivots, the Mm -hmm. changes, and embracing the new, right? Otherwise, you become irrelevant really fast. Yes. So, Lauren, if somebody wants to learn more about Two Social, they want to connect with you, or maybe even hire your services or the company, I guess, uh, where can they find you? Our website is twosocialagency.com. And then, obviously, being that we're social media first agency, you can, of course, connect with us on Instagram. Myself, Lauren Maria S. on Instagram, and Two Social is two underscore social. And we'd love to connect. We're always happy to talk about things we're passionate about in our field. So feel free to reach out. Love that. Mm, I'd highly encourage people to check you out. And your website is so gorgeous and fun to scroll through. So definitely for the listener who's curious, uh, go check it out. All the links will be in the show notes. So thank you so much for being on the podcast and sharing your story. Um, And maybe we'll connect in a year's time when the social media landscape has changed. And we'll see where that. that conversation goes. Thank you. I'd love that. It's a pleasure being here. Thanks for having me. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Visionary Life. I love bringing you these conversations on a weekly basis. So if you could help me out by rating and reviewing this show on your iTunes app, I would be so grateful. You can also support the show by taking a quick screenshot of the episode and sharing it on your Instagram stories. Just make sure to tag me at Kelsey Rydell. If you're feeling stuck, uninspired, stagnant, bored, or confused in what your next step should be, it's time to take action. Please reach out because I would love to connect with you. I'll catch you in the next episode.